born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. And then he makes this statement about cultural relevance. I didn't put that word in there. He did. He said, because the most defining attribute and the closest thing to an absolute in the emergent church movement is the call to be relevant to culture, one of Mosaic's explicitly stated core values is relevance to culture is not optional. But anyway, he goes down and says a few things, and I, uh, myself, I never thought too much about the culture. I mean, I went to Indian camps, and uh, yeah, they have a different culture than ours, but I wasn't going there to try to change their culture. I went there to preach the gospel. And the message that I had learned, I never changed it. When I got a chance to speak, I talked to them like I would talk to them if it was in ranch or if I was in church. I might add a little bit more humor to it or something, but I gave the same message. The same gospel, believe it or not, will work. I don't care where you are. And we had at one time 27 different Indian tribes. And you're talking about a lot of different Indians. And I don't care about all their culture. All I know is that I got something you need. I don't care what it is. You're lost and you need to be saved. And all I have to do is present the truth. And if you hear it and like it and understand it, and you can trust Christ as Savior. And I never worried about trying to study upon, no, I gotta know their culture. Now, if I was gonna be a missionary and stay there for the next 10, 15, 20 years, I might you know, need to know all of that stuff. But I always went as an evangelist, and I didn't pay no attention to it. I really didn't care. When I was up in Georgia and I preached around, and even if I talked to blacks, they got a different culture, but I don't care about that culture. The gospel still works the same. Black people can understand the gospel just like an Indian can understand the gospel or a white person. I've been all up in the Northeast where they, you know, you get all the, the northerners, the Yankees. Well, I preach to them, but I preach the same message. I've been in Alaska. I don't know if they got a different culture or not. I didn't see nobody living in big blues. And I didn't see the Indians living in tents, you know, and riding horses and shooting bows and arrows. But... Even when I was in Colorado, they, they might have been a little bit different. But, you know, the same gospel works. I don't care where you go. When I went down into Mexico, I had to have an interpreter. But that's okay. They just said whatever I said. And they trusted the Lord. I didn't have to study 1,500 years of their, you know, their background, their culture, why they do what they do and all. The gospel still works. Now, I could spend my time doing all of that. And if I was a missionary there, I would try to maybe all this, the cultural stuff. But when I went to Egypt, when me and Ray went, I had some people that had been working there for years. They were missionaries to Egypt. And so they told me, 
Now, you don't understand the culture here of the Egyptians. They're stoic. They don't openly, you know, laugh. They, they're very poised in what they say and do. And, you know, they have a more firmer outlook on things and all. So they don't take humor very well. And they don't usually respond to the gospel. So given the forward invitation, they're not going to do anything. I listened to the guy. He sat right down here on the front row. And I got up here, and the place was packed. Packed. And I wanted to find out if whether or not they could understand a joke. And so the pastor was sitting up on the stage. And so my interpreter standing here. And I told him about my dad. How my dad said that I was the ugliest kid in the world. But my dad had never seen your pastor. And buddy, did they come unglued. They laughed. They thought that was the funniest thing. And I says, so much for culture. And I went ahead and I told a few more nice ones. And I had them, you know, right. They were right there. I gave the gospel and they started raising their hands all over the room. And the guy stood up and he turned around and he was looking like this here. No, you got to give them the gospel. That's what changes things. And the gospel has the power to change culture. So that's, that's where it's supposed to be. But anyway, he says, the story of my life in the emergent church would not be complete without a word on how I was redeemed from this. In the summer of 2012, after eight failed years of finding a church that would simply teach the word of God fully and completely, I finally decided to watch hundreds of videos on YouTube to try and see how exactly one is saved. Mosaic, the church, was a lordship salvation church. And while that wasn't necessarily its focus, you still could only guess if you were saved by whether you were living the life. Eternity in hell was an unbearable thought. And that was what was at stake, and I didn't know. And I begged the Lord in prayer to show me the truth. I told him that whatever the Bible says about being saved, that is what I would believe and preach. This was an incredible, painful time. I did not know one person I could trust with my eternal destiny because no one could prove to me whether I was saved or not. And there were so many diverse teachings. Obviously, there's only one truth. So most of them were false teachings. Certainly the Lordship Salvationists I watched on YouTube couldn't because you constantly had to be living the life. And if you messed up, you would even lose your salvation. Imagine my horror when a false teacher on YouTube demonstrated that because I had sinned willfully against God, Hebrews 10, 26, applied to me, and that not only had I lost my salvation, but I might as well tattoo the word hopeless across my forehead because I was no longer savable. There remained no more sacrifice for my sins. I was devastated. All the while I kept crying out to God literally with a fear that only one who knows there is a hell but doesn't know that he's not going there can cry out. Then he has, our Lord is faithful. I've always been kind of a doubter. You would think that that might be a hindrance to coming to the knowledge of the truth as presented in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The funny thing is that God used my doubt to lead me to him. 
During this process, I started in July of 2012. And even though I was being buffeted on all sides by all manner of mostly false teachings and even tricked into believing them for a short time, my doubting became strength. I refused to trust what these men said because of that very doubt. I needed to be proven in the Word of God by a clear teaching from the Word of God what the truth was. And I believed God would provide me a teacher to do exactly that, so I kept watching videos for months. Around October, I saw a video by a man with a funny name, Dr. Ralph Yankee Arnold. By this time, I had started Googling and YouTube in every passage of Scripture that people use to defend their position on salvation. One Lordship salvation is used, 1 John 3, 4-9, through 9, to show that you cannot practice sin if you're saved. If you do, then you really aren't saved, according to him. So in my YouTube search, I brought up a faithful video by Yankee Arnold. You should know that I feared the book of 1 John greatly. I'm a software engineer. I'm very logical. There is on the surface a huge contradiction in 1 John, between 1 John 1, 8 and 1 John 3, 9. And I'd read 1 John 3, 9. Now, you know what 1 John 3, 9, that, um, you know, if you believe on Christ and you trust him as your Savior, that you cannot sin, being born of God, you cannot commit one single act of sin because his seed remaineth in us and we cannot sin. So anyway, he was referring to that verse. So it seemed like a contradiction. One is you can't sin, and the other one says if you don't say you're sinning, you're lying. So it does seem like there's a contradiction unless you can explain it. So he says, in 1 John 1, 9, and concluded that there is no way I'm saved because it says you cannot sin at all if you're born again. Then I watched Yankee Arnold's teaching on that passage. I couldn't believe it. Someone actually made 1 John make sense with no contradiction at all. Sin nature versus the spiritual nature. And his teaching had to be true. It's the only one 1 John can be interpreted without contradiction. Being a logical person, I simply can't accept someone's teaching that is illogical and that contains contradiction. So like Spock, don't you? From that moment, I just started watching Yankees videos and a few other teachers like Hank Lindstrom. Isn't that something? You just happened to, just happened to find those out there. Finally, the Lord revealed to me that simple gospel as contained in the book of John. All of a sudden, like a bolt of lightning from the sky, I saw his simple plan all over the place. I'd ask, how are you saved? And he'd show me a Yankee or other true teacher video, John 6, 47 believe. How? John 3, 14 through 17, believe. John 3, 36, believe. And oh, by the way, David, that's his name, has his present tense right now. You want a guarantee? No problem. Read Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, if someone says I am not saved, they're calling God a liar. And if God promises it, do you think you can lose it? I doubt it. So now I have the true gospel of Jesus Christ. I had the right Jesus and the right message, died on the cross for my sins, buried and resurrected. And I wholeheartedly believe in Jesus and his message. I am therefore saved and not unsavable. Thank you very much, O false teacher on YouTube. Now, he wasn't referring to me there. And he says, and oh, thank you, Dr. Arnold. And thank you, Jesus. Well, I hope this message will be of some help to you. And he wanted me to share it with others because he was just so thankful that he now he knows he has eternal life. Now, he may not have looked like it, but he was 53 years old, never been married, 
And, but he'd been searching. And all that time, just think how many people, it's like this I've said before, it's like climbing a ladder for 20 years and find out it's leaning on the wrong wall. And there's some people that do all this all their life and then they, they don't have any answers. And so therefore we ought to be very thankful that we, we know the truth, we know the gospel, and that's why it is so important to keep getting the message out. And like I mentioned to you about the one that from the, the, the Philippines, I got another letter from a guy in the Philippines this week. And uh, the one a couple weeks ago from over there in England. But there's people that are taking, once the message gets out, it's amazing how God can use them. You see, if we just be faithful to shine, then then God's not going to hide the light under the bushel. He's going to put it up on the hill where it can be seen. So that's why I didn't produce all those messages. You see, that's because y'all give money and we hire Greg and Greg does all the videoing and the editing and puts those things up there, does it on the radio and all the people that do all the work that makes it possible. I haven't got time to, to make these things, but the people that we have work here do it. But the people that work here, you, you pay them. And because of every individual, you won't know until you get to heaven to find out how much fruit has come because of your labor, your sacrifice, what you have done. See, I, I do this because I want you to know that God is using you. He may use me, but if I didn't have you, I couldn't do it either. So every person that works in the ministry helps make something like this possible. And um, I thought it was interesting. They took uh, the guy down to radio station. Chris Schools. Anyway, he left. WTBN here, but he still works with them out in Colorado, and now he's over about a hundred stations that he works with. And so I was on the radio live Sunday morning, uh, Friday morning, and when it was all over with, he called and says that he wanted uh, me to wait there until he got there. So he shows up, and it didn't take long before he says, um, "I liked your radio broadcast this morning." And he had listened to the opening statements. I can't remember what I said. Oh, yeah, I was referring about me and uh, Shepard Smith. You know, Shepard Smith on Fox News always comes on in Studio B. I said, I got him beat because I'm on Studio A. And anyway, he thought it was funny. It was meant to be. But he listened to the whole thing. And you never know how much is being done. They called up the other day, and they wanted to get Betty's email. I gave him Betty's email. Anyway, they, the lady that's now the manager, they're coming out with a magazine. I don't forget the name of it. It's their magazine they send out. And they wanted Betty's testimony. So she got a beautiful testimony. We don't know how much of it they'll put in there or whether all of it or how much they edit out and so forth. But we pray that, you know, you can make an impact. Little by little, you just keep getting the word out. We're not going to stay around here forever. And that's why it's so important to serve the Lord while you can with what you have. And whether or not you think you're going to, you're not, maybe you think you ought to be up on the top of that big building they just built up there. And, you know, you ought to have a, on the lighthouse uh, the tallest building in America now or something. Be faithful to shine where you are. You faithful there. Then let God put the light wherever he wants to. And, there was times in my life that I thought, you know, it seemed like I'm not being used. 
Have you ever had times like that? You just feel like I'm just I'm not accomplishing anything. It's like life is getting a little boring and so routine. Nothing exceptional is happening. Well, sometimes you go through that. And sometimes you wish it would slow down. Because sometimes you can just uh, like on a treadmill and it's just somebody's turning up the speed on it. And you're about out of breath. And you wish sometimes you could just maybe slow it down just a little bit. There's times in your life when it seems like you're going slow. You're speeding up. Sometimes it seems like you're going in reverse. So just be faithful to do what God wants you to do. But I wanted to read this to you. But my closing comments was this. After checking several of the sites David mentioned, I was surprised to see where the phrase culturally relevant came from and what it meant. I have always just simply believed that regardless of anyone's culture, good or bad, right or wrong, the gospel committed to us was sufficient to save all who believe. We should totally and continually trust the power of the gospel. Now, I remember when I went to India, never been to India before, and they tell me about, you know, where do you go to India or whether you go to Egypt. you got to watch the food. You know, you just got to really watch the food or you'll get the curse of Karnak. And you don't want the curse of Karnak. And so I've never had the curse of Karnak, so I'm so very thankful to the Lord. So you got to wash all your vegetables and you got to wash all the, you know, the lettuce and all that kind of stuff. And you, you got to watch you don't drink out of the, their water and you got to drink out of the bottled water or it's got to be boiled or hot coffee's okay. I mean, there's just a few things that, uh, it does pay to know a little bit about the culture. And um, I was over there in India, and this was interesting. On a Thursday night, I was asked to speak at this church. They usually meet on Wednesday night, but I was at another place, and so they was going to do it on a Thursday night. So they called a special meeting that Thursday night. And uh, they had about 1,200 show up on a Thursday night. And when I walked in and I looked, about the first two rows all the way around, or maybe three rows, there was several hundred little kids like that one right there. Maybe some of them were a little bit bigger, but some as small as her. And they were all sitting there. And I thought, I am going to tell them a little about my background and how poor I was because, you know, I've used every aspect of my testimony that I've gone through and I've been able to open up doors and people relate. And because a lot of times, you know, not everybody was born with a silver spoon in their mouth. Well, I definitely wasn't. And uh, I don't think for the first few years that we even used one. We just sopped. You ever sop all your food? You know, your mama makes some biscuits and you sop your eggs and you sop this and you sop that. You just, biscuits is the way you clean your plate. Anybody? But you had your hand on it. You didn't do it with it. Anyway. Um, so I wanted them to know that I can relate to them. And when I saw all these kids and how poor they were, and I wanted to let them know how that I uh, went to school without any shoes. And then all of a sudden I... I look down at their feet, and there's just a couple hundred kids, 
and they didn't have any shoes on. I thought, you know, that's not going to work. I don't think they're going to think about how poor I was. When they're sitting there with no shoes on their feet and probably walk miles to get there. I could have told them how I used to walk to school barefooted two miles to school and back uphill both ways. But there are some things about culture. So, but the soul of man, the need of the person, always the same. I don't care where they are. Sometimes we are afraid of the gospel offending people. So we want to change it just a little bit so it doesn't hit them too hard. So we soften it. Or we try to dilute it down to where they can't really see it. And in doing so, you should have just gone on home and done nothing. The gospel is powerful in its purest form. Whenever you try to dilute the gospel, you ruin the whole message. People need to see, and through the gospel only can they see, the love of God and his hatred for sin. But you see, there's a lot of preachers today that don't want to say anything about sin. Because that offends people. It makes them not feel comfortable. Well, I would rather make you feel very uncomfortable about the sin, if it's the truth, and then give you the salve, you know, the medicine. Now, let me tell you the good news. Then the good news is really good news. When you know the bad news is really bad news. But if you try to milk toast it and put it all the same, you can't decide what is the bad news and you don't know what is the good news. It all runs together. You don't have anything. It loses its strength. It loses its power. So I guess I'll just keep doing it the way I've been doing it and just keep getting the message out because we never know who's going to trust Christ as their Savior. And it's just about every week we have somebody who has listened to the radio broadcast that, that comes to church. And one of the things that helps is y'all been extra nice and extra kind and extra friendly. Now, y'all see each other all the time. But really smother the other one with kindness and love and appreciation and give them a warm handshake and a good smile. And if you have to get out of your seat and walk clean across the room, if there's somebody that's new, I'd rather have 15 people on that one than five people on the person you didn't saw last Sunday. But everybody beyond be friendly. But, you know, just kind of keep your eyes open. A lot of people are hurting and they just want to know if somebody cares whether they live or die or if they, you know, or wanted, or needed, or appreciated. I think we can. But look up here. I want to show you this. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. See, all of us do wrong. All of us have done bad, and we've got to pay for it. The payment is death and hell. God won't be satisfied by nothing else by, except taking your life. The wages of sin is death. You did it. You owe it. So that's why God wants us to go to heaven because he loves us, but he hates our sin. And we can't go to heaven with our sin. So how is God going to get me in and keep this out? You and I couldn't find a way because we are sinners. And we can't separate ourselves from it. 
So what Christ did, there's a way. Christ came into the world. The Lord God himself, perfect, no sin. We have sin, but not him. He's righteous. He's perfect. He did no wrong, so he didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he said he'd take our place. So he died in our place. He took all the sin of all the world, that debt that we had, that debt we had, he, took, he paid for it. He paid my sin debt. Came back from the dead. And he said that if I would believe that he did it for me, he would put the payment he made to my account. I go to heaven what he did. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. So are you. We're all sinners. Everybody in the whole world. When he paid for our sins, he did it for everybody in the world and offers it to everybody. Whosoever would believe, you would not perish, I mean, go to hell, but have eternal life. So that's why I can't go to hell, because he says, if I believe it, I shall not perish. It means I can't go to hell. Why can't I go to hell? Because he says I can't go to hell. Why? Because I believe it. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. I don't have any sins to pay for. He, he paid for my sins. That's why the most five powerful words in the whole word of God is Christ died for my sins. Why am I going to heaven? Christ died for my sins. That's why I'm going to heaven. It's not because I have been good. Very good. <laughs> I have been very good. Yeah, see that? That's five words. No, nothing comes up close to those five words. Christ died for my sins. That's why I'm going to heaven. And that's the only reason anybody goes to heaven. You're not going to heaven because you go to church. You don't go to heaven because you've been good. Because you haven't been. I hate to break your heart. You have not been good enough. No one has ever lived good enough to go to heaven by their good deeds. It's the gift of God. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust him? Would you believe that when he died, he died for you? Don't you want to go to heaven? You know, if you don't trust the Lord, you'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. And if you're watching by Internet, right there on the screen, it says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so, would you do it right now? Would you just click it and say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior? We don't know who you are. It just lets us know that you watched, you listened, and you said you would trust Christ as your Savior. But if you're in the auditorium, and if you've never trusted the Lord, would you right now in the quietness of this moment, just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And right now I will trust him as my savior, as my only hope of going to heaven. Would you do that? Would you trust him? And if you will, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to know. So is there anyone at all before we close? Just slip your hand very quickly and put it, yes, I trust Christ as my Savior today. And put it right back down just as quick as you can. Yes, God bless you, buddy. Anyone else? Just slip it up real quick and put it right back down. Are there others? Hard to see everybody all at one time, especially when I don't have my glasses on and don't see too good out there. Anyone else before we close? Father, we thank you again for your blessings. We're thankful for the opportunity that you've given to us. For Ryan, who runs the camera, and for those that work the sound, and Greg that does the, the audio messages, and, and Father, for those that do the video, 
all making it possible for people that donate money for the radio broadcasts or helping all the workers here to do what we do. There's a lot of people, they're going to be in heaven one day because they heard the gospel, maybe not inside the walls of this church, but because of this church, this body of believers. Thank you so much for them. Bless each one of them. And give us a good day today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.